0: Everyone has experienced past sins that have weighed them down or lies of the devil that weigh them down and torture their soul. This week we're talking about tortured souls and what the devil does to try and deceive us and how we can find freedom only in Christ. This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School, March 3rd, 2013. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, We're in the middle of a series called Soul Detox. And, um, did I ever give you the recording? I think, okay, good. We'll just start over. Uh, We're in the middle of a series called Soul Detox, and uh, we're going to do it at least next week and possibly the week after. I'm still looking in to see how well that's going to formulate into some sermons. Hopefully it's been helpful, and the, the gist of the sermon, or where we're going at with, is a couple things. One is, at the root of it, we are not a body with a soul, but instead we're a soul with a body, which means... There's, there's ramifications to that which means instead of just a physical being that's kind of making our time out and this is the peak of it we're going to get to a point where our body dies and your heart stops beating your toes go cold but your soul is going to be living forever and that's why it makes some sense to spend some time spiritually looking at our soul and are there things that are attacking against our soul um, today we're talking about torture um, a, a soul that's tortured and someone want to unplug the water machine back there it might just be me but uh, does anyone, has anyone seen this film, Zero Dark Thirty? I have not seen it yet. It's the first year ever that we went to the um, Oscars or we were watching the Oscars and we had not seen a single one of any of the films. Like nine were nominated. I don't know why that is. There's a lot of good ones we can't wait to see. We just haven't seen it. That's what happens when you have kids, I think. Um, so this one is interesting, but what's the controversy behind this film and the reason it probably did not win? There's some torture involved. And the question is, how did they portray the torture that they did for these al-Qaeda guys to be able to find Osama bin Laden? So there's some question, is this ethical and should this happen? So there's some controversy around this film. I I haven't seen it again, and I'm not saying you have to go see it or something like that. We understand physical torture, at least um, in theory, but how many of us are really suffering as Christians like physical torture? This happens around the world, but how many of us are? Probably nobody. Nobody. But spiritually, I mean, that does happen around the world, but spiritually we have this war that kind of goes on inside our soul. And maybe the best example we can see in that is in Romans chapter 7. Has anyone seen that section? This is where the Apostle Paul is talking. He's like, hey, the good stuff I want to do, yeah, I don't do it. And the bad stuff, I just keep doing it. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Have you ever made a promise to God? God, I've got to stop this sin. I'm, this is, today is the last day. I will never do it again. And then, bam, you're doing it again. That's the, this is the spiritual torture that kind of goes inside as you go back and forth. So a couple things we're highlighting. Um, we are a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. And the way that, that um, when you talk about sinful desires, what it does to your soul, this is from First Peter. He says, Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, which kind of gets along to our theme, you're not built to live in this world forever. Um, to abstain from your sinful desires. And what do those sinful desires do? They, witch, uh, they wage war against your soul. So the spiritual desires you have, you can think, all right, I'm going to just put them in this box and I'm going to take care of things. But these are things that are forced against your soul. And in fact, this can affect you physically. Have you ever been to that point? I think the best example I can think of is in Scripture. This is King David. This is Psalm, um, um, Psalm 38. I thought I found the coolest picture, but it's really dark. It's like an X-ray highlight because and I brought this out because look what it has done to his body. He says, Because of the wrath, your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. The sin that David was involved in was so consuming that it actually affected his physical health. And I think many of us have been in a situation like that where things are not just right and you're restless and you feel terrible. And a lot of this is just this guilt. And the thing that's really affecting us is two things. But the first one we're going to talk about is things you have done. Adam and Eve, just picture this in the Garden of Eden. Remember, everything is wonderful and everything's fantastic. And then they say, let's eat from this tree. What happens to Adam and Eve in their relationship with God? totally destroy. They want to hide from God. They want to be near God. They just say, like, I don't want to be near you. And in a sense, when they committed that sin, their innocence was gone. And you can probably go back to very specific points in your life when you went over a line and the innocence you knew as a child is now gone. This is something that hits of us. Um, the studies alone, we're going to talk about a couple things that have affected us, sins that we commit. The studies alone say 50% of men struggle with sinful lusts. 50%. I'm not saying look around and say, like, I think it's at 50%, but 50%. And you know of ladies, what percentage? 25 to 30, the studies say, that are looking at um, men and women that are looking at things they should not be looking at, um, reading things they shouldn't be looking at, and can, watching movies they shouldn't be watch, looking at. And what does that do to your soul? What if, what if um, this got out and you think to yourself, this would ruin my marriage? This would ruin my relationships. This would ruin my reputation. There is no way anyone can know this. And it's this torture that goes on inside. Maybe that's not it. Maybe you've misrepresented yourself on some level. And you know, okay, I've got this job, but I've, I've kind of cheated to get to this job. And you don't want anyone to know. If anyone found out, this would be really, really bad. And there's ramifications to that. So you think the last thing I ever want to do is tell anyone about this. I'm going to just kind of plug this away. Maybe it's overeating. You find yourself, uh, you look at food, and you're like, "I know I shouldn't eat this. This is not great food." And then suddenly, like two minutes later, you're like, "I cannot believe I ate the whole package of Oreos. What just happened here?" And and you feel guilty. And then sometimes it even goes a step farther, and you say, "I got to vomit to get rid of this." And then you feel even more shame, and you think, "If people knew this about me, no one would ever like me." Maybe it's overspending you got this emptiness in the world, and you spend, and you spend, and you spend, and you start lying about your spending. Maybe it's an addiction, drugs, or alcohol, or you pop something, or you watch something, and you become so consumed by it that this is the main driver in your life, and you think about how often you're doing this. And if anyone found out about it, you think, my life would be ruined. What tortures our soul? A lot of times, it's sins we have already committed. That's not the only thing, though, that affects us. I'm going to tell you a story that I'm not super proud of, uh, but Brett Catlin lived across the street. I looked him up on on the Internet. He's doing well, so you don't have to worry about Brett Catlin. He lives in Boston. He's a successful businessman. But at the time, he was Brett Catlin who lived across the street. So Brett Catlin lived across the street, and we used to get these, like, French bread loaves. Did anyone get those? Now they're just plain. There's nothing on them, but I don't know why in Wisconsin they served them with poppy seeds on the top. Have you ever seen that? I think it's so you fail your drug tests. I'm not sure why they do that. So you can get them with poppy seeds and you can get it with like sesame seeds. Does this sound familiar, Brett? So I took all these seeds in the back of the package and I put them in my mouth and I went over to go to talk to Brett Catlin and I'm like, hey, Brett. And I must have just seen like this special on deer ticks and um, deer wasting disease or something. I don't know what. So I said, hey, Brett, check this out. And so I've got these black poppy seeds in there and sesame seeds, and he was so grossed out he couldn't even look. He's like, "What are those?" I said, "Mouth ticks." And he was just creeped out. He's like, "What are the big ones?" I said, "They're breeding." So at this point, I'm like probably ten, and I didn't even realize it was that funny. So usually my parents, so I came and I told my parents the story, who could not even keep it straight. Like they felt guilty. Like I'm not supposed to lie but they're like just weeping with tears because they thought it was so funny. They're like, mouth ticks. They thought it was funny. And we never told Brett the truth. So, and there's no internet. So he didn't go to his mom and say like, yeah, you said it, mouth ticks." Like we'd be like, there's no such thing. But so, I don't know, to this day, does he talk about his creepy neighbors who had like this mouth disease? I don't know. Why do I bring that up? Not that I think it's good to not tell the truth to your neighbors. But the person who's lying to you when it comes to your sin, is it just your neighbor? Or is it the devil? And, and we're going to talk a little bit about what lies does the devil tell you to try and hold you in this locked torture position. Here's a description that the Bible gives. Um, I've got to go one more. The Bible gives of the devil. You belong to the father, your father, the devil. So let's talk about the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. If you can see the highlights there, what kind of description does the Bible give of the devil? Murderer, there's no truth in him. When he speaks, he lies. He's the father of lies. Does the devil ever tell you the truth? And he is so masterful at it that he convinces you Especially when it gets involved in your sin, so you've got this sin that you're trying to hide. So you're tortured by this, and you think, you know what? I gotta tell somebody about this. I gotta get, I gotta make things right. And the devil says, you know what? You tell someone that, they will never look at you the same again. And you think, maybe he's right. You tell someone that, and your reputation is completely ruined forever. Yeah, go ahead, ruin your life if you want. Ruin your relationship. Ruin your uh, the relationship you have with your. Go ahead but it's never going to be the same. Or he starts to convince you that your sin really is your identity. And he says, okay, you've committed that. Do you know that's who you are? You're an alcoholic. You're a porn addict. You're a drug addict. You're someone who overeats. This is who you are. Do you know that's who you are? You're not something else. This is your identity. And you start to think, maybe that's true. Or maybe, have you ever slid down the slope of a sin and you're like, well, I'm already doing it. I might as well keep going, you know? And that's, the devil says, that's how you should go because that's who you are. Those are lies from the father of lies. I'm trying to say this is who you are. There is no escape and your sin is, is going to consume you. And telling you that your life is ruined if anyone else knew about this. Where we get with this it is better. If you, the book of Proverbs is an interesting book, and it's also kind of confusing. Some people look at it and they say, "Well, these are absolute truths all the time." Is that true about the book of Proverbs? The book of Proverbs is actually a book of truisms. So, it's the book of uh, Solomon looks at the world, he's the smartest man, and he observes things. He says, "Generally, this is true. Generally, this is how the world functions." And this is the word, one of the proverbs that he says: "He who conceals his sins does not prosper." Generally, this is how the world functions. If you conceal your sin, it's like when I was talking to the kids with food poisoning. Have you ever had food poisoning? Your body knows that this has to exit and we'll just leave it at that and your kids can go like, what did pastor mean? He means you don't want food poisoning. That's what I mean. So food poisoning, if you've ever experienced this, sometimes your body convulses to get rid of this poison that's in your body. Unfortunately, spiritually, sometimes we try and wrap up and protect and get used to this sin to say the healthiest thing for me is just to keep it buried inside. Think how ludicrous that would be if you went to the doctor and you said, I've got this food poisoning. They're like, well, get rid of it. Use Ipecac or whatever, that I can't pronounce it. And you're like, no, I'm getting used to it. Yeah, I, kinda, I think it's good. It, no, that doesn't make any sense, does it? And I think in general, he who conceals their sin does not prosper. You have been in a place, if you're more than like three years old, you've been in a place where you've held a sin and it has affected you and it's bothered you. And it affects, you can't, you have trouble looking people in the eye because of your shame and the guilt that comes with it. You have been in that place. And what we're looking at here is you don't prosper physically, this can bother you. Spiritually, it bothers you. But whoever confesses and renounces them, talking about their sins, finds mercy. I think this is true we're outside of the spiritual world. I think this is true in uh, any of you who work in business. I think this is generally true. You do something wrong at work, and you tell someone about it, is that better or worse? I worked with one, I don't know if it always is, but for me it always was. I worked at a lumberyard. I've told you a couple stories about that. Um, two stories. One, I went to a place, we delivered some wood, and they said, hey, can we use your truck to put these fences on? We're just going to move it like down the street, but we don't want to rent a truck. We'll give you 20 bucks. I'm like, Sure. Suddenly, like an hour later, they're still loading fence parts on it. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I felt so bad about it, I went to my boss. I wasn't going to pocket the money. He said, here's the 20 bucks. This is what happened. I, it just, I didn't expect it to last this long. He's like, hey, thanks for telling me. And put the money in like the employee donut fund. I'm like, you got it. Another time, uh, we stacked up some uh, solid core doors, like as high as this projector right here, which would probably be like uh, 50 doors at 300 bucks a piece. So I drive all the way up to Manaqua, which is like three and a half hours. It's the dream trip because you leave at like lunch and you're eating your lunch and you're getting paid over time. It's beautiful. So I get up there and it was off kilter a little bit. And I said to the guy who's going to unload it, I'm like, I think we should, you know, hand unload these. He's like, are you kidding? You know how much those weigh? I'm like, yeah, I I know how much they weigh. He's like, no, 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 I'll get it. I'll get it. He takes them off and it it slips and they go like a deck of cards. So what's 50 times 300? I can't do the math. $15,000. Is that right? Yeah, $15,000 worth of doors. (laughs) And I feel sick, of course, because I could have stopped it and said, absolutely, we're going to hand-unload these. So I go to my boss, I call him that night, and like, here's what happened. He's like, thanks for telling me. I never got in trouble. He was just thankful that I actually told him the situation. Does this make some sense? The same thing is true. Why is it that we would ever talk about our sins to anyone? Well, you tell your sins to God for forgiveness. This makes sense, right? This is from 1 John If we confess our sins, talking about God, he is faithful and he is just and he will absolutely forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You tell your sins to God. You're struggling. God already knows your sins. You say, God, here is what I'm involved in. I'm sorry for this. Help me out. And what does God say? They're gone. They're wiped out. My son has come to pay for these sins. They are forgiven. I've dumped them into a, a sea of forgetfulness. It is not like a computer hardware, you know, when you erase your hard drive and you can still find stuff. That's not how God's memory works. God says they're gone. It's like an etch sketch You ever put any important documents in etch sketch Probably because it's impossible to do a circle, so you can't actually write anything besides lines. Which, uh, but anyway, what happens with the etch sketch you, you, you shake the magic beads or whatever's inside that thing, and then... That's gone. That's how your sin is. This is why we confess it. God says your sins are forgiven. And that's fantastic. This makes sense, right? But how many of you have confessed your sins to God and you still feel this weight? And you still feel this guilt? This is one of the more helpful things I thought and the reason why I wanted to do this thing on this book is because they talk about an important aspect of why would you talk tell anyone about it? It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other, this is from the book of James, and pray for each other so that you may be, what? Healed. I'm not saying you go out to and say, hey, Facebook friends, this is what I've done. Confessing your sins is not like posting pictures of you drunk on Facebook. That's not confessing your sins. I'm not saying tell everybody everything that you've ever done. But you should tell somebody some things you've done. Because then there's healing that starts. And I'll give you an example in marriage. And I use this example more than once. Um, sometimes in marriage, if anyone's been married for a while, has it, does this seem like a familiar situation? You, you get to this point where something has happened and it's pulling that marriage apart. Some, some things are so grievous that it cuts the rope completely. But you get to a point where it's like pulling, pulling, pulling. And marriage, as I've explained to people, is not built on romance and this magical love it's not built on this deep um i'm not writing poetry to amy every day and things like that's every other day but i mean it's a, but is that what marriage is about? if you've been married more than like 15 minutes you know this is not how it functions or if you've met someone they're like oh we never fight and it's like okay so you never talk about anything fun that's cool i mean but right so you're going to have fights you're going to have problems sometimes you're going to say or do things you do not want to do and so what do you do you confess your sins and say, I am sorry about that. I was a jerk. Will you forgive me? And then what happens to these ropes? The example of the picture I show is it gets tied, which seems kind of like a mess, right? If you saw a healthy marriage in the metaphor of a rope, it would be a big pile of knots. And you're like, that thing's a mess. But what has happened to the two ends? Through every instance, every hurtful thought that's found forgiveness, and you say, I can trust this person, you get closer and closer and closer and closer. There's healing involved when you say, this is what I've done. I'm sorry about it. And I think a mark of a spiritually mature person is that point from sin to confession gets shorter and shorter and shorter. I don't know if you have anyone to tell these sins to. But the devil is trying to convince you, you can't tell anybody this. But you don't have to live in this torture. You can talk to God about it. You can talk to someone about it and say, this is what I've done. And hear the forgiving words of God. As if God himself has said, you are forgiven. I've given you this example before, but with my kids on Sunday nights we confess sins. They don't know it's weird yet, so kids don't don't listen. Most family don't do this, but on Sunday nights we sit down and I say, Do you have anything you want to tell your dad? Anything you're sorry for? A week's worth of things come up. Sometimes it's not much, but sometimes it's something that bothered them. Like three, four or five days ago. They're like, I'm sorry for this. And what does it mean to a little child to say that out loud, someone knows the grievous thing they've done, and to hear, you're forgiven in the name of the Father? and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Those sins are gone. And they've said it out loud, and someone still loves them. I don't know what you're mixed up in, but I know that God comes and he doesn't want you to live with this guilt. He doesn't want to live with this torture. He wants you to live in freedom. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live in righteousness. Righteousness and find freedom, and find forgiveness, and to know that these are behind us. It doesn't mean there's not going to be consequences when you tell someone your sins. But when you move past this, you can know, I have said something out loud. I can move beyond this, and this sin is not who I am. This sin is not part of me. This is not something for me forever. I can push this behind me, and I can say, I want to live like Christ has set me free. I want to live in all righteousness. I want to die to these sins, and move on in a forgiven child of God. Amen.